Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is... Oraki, the Kudu tribe Knoll from Dabu, who tends to see things others cannot. Kalen, the human paladin with an ass for a brother. Akmenas, the tiefling paladin with a tale of loss. Silhouette, a pixie that is definitely not Tinkerbell. Odvik, the human fighter that ponders about planned weddings. Calidus, the elf-marked wizard that was too tiny to be a barbarian. And finally Elbrum, the Asmar warlock with a shady past. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, we find the Grey Company sitting in the common room of the Neber Inn. Liftrasa, owner of the inn and wife to Mayor Gimort, sets down mugs of dwarven stiff mace whiskey and baron's grop. Calidus foots the bill for a shared room in the inn, but Elbrum quickly slaps down gold to get his own room. Oraki steers the conversation. Questions rise about the repairs in the village. What secret is the mayor hiding? Soon, Banter turns the questions to Akmenis' hooves. Really, who is this tiefling? Galen steps outside for his evening prayers. Elbrum drinks himself into a stupor and must be carried to his room. The next morning, Mayor Gimort greets the Grey Company. They learn that Cade, the shepherd boy that had discovered the pool of blood, had run away. No worries, though. Another youth from the village, Shump, a half-orc shepherd boy, he will guide them. That first night under the desert stars, huddled around the campfire, the company realizes, in the comforts of Perbastet, they had forgotten how unforgiving the desert can be. As the cold seeps to their bones, they realize that proactive is better than reactive when venturing into the unknown. Shump is an excellent guide and leads them as close as he's allowed. The land is withering the closer they get to the hidden oasis. As they approach, Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Yes, you guys are now in Neber. You've met the mayor, and this is where we get back to the business of Calidus, who loves to just do Calidus things. Right away, mayor's like, I don't recognize those markings. Yes, we are from the pallid court, whether this was a good thing or not <laughs> to say. <laughs> and Yeah, got a light full of blood away from the pallid court. What did you and expect? Then if, is, and of course, his response was, because this was the town that reported the pool of blood. And so they're like, you're from the vampires. What the hell? Of course, they're suspicious to no end. 
So at that point, everybody started talking to try to convince the mayor that it wasn't as... And again, at the end of the day, the logic behind this is fairly simple. We're here to investigate the issue. Yep. We're from the pallid court. If we'd set this whole thing up, we wouldn't be here like this. We would have walked in here with an army to yep. subdue yep. you. And we didn't. We walked in here as a half a dozen of us. And, I mean, you guys did good with your persuasions. The dwarf was amendable to your... It wasn't hard, to be honest. You guys just needed to beat a DC-10 to convince them, really. And you guys did. So you convinced him, and he eventually took you into the town, took you into the the inn, and then he he went off because he needed to get some things right because he was going to facilitate you guys going. At which point, once in the inn, you guys started having your conversations because you didn't know where came, went. Yeah. And of course, you were suspicious of, of the mayor as well, because as you were going into the inn, I was using your passive perception, and Oraki's got a very high passive perception. So I took her into the private Discord channel and told her some of the stuff that she's seen. And she said nothing. She did good. Oraki was really, really good until you guys... I guess she was saying, is there a common table that we can sit down or something like this? And I was like, yes, yeah, of course, there's a common room. There's, there's a table. She dragged guys, come sit guys, come sit guys. And then she started spilling the beans. And, and that, that's where, do we trust Kane? Do we trust this mayor? Akmenis, why do you have, are your feet really, are those really hooves? Yeah. <laughs> that where did funny. that come from? Oh, I think that, I, I personally think that Oraki was trying to get Odvik and Akmenis more involved, is what I think she was oh, doing. Oh, okay. So yeah. she was just, trying to catch on to something that they might have said about their appearance or something like this to get them to open up a bit more. I suggested to Oraki's player to read this Brandon Sanderson book. And so he's been reading it. So I've been chatting with him on and off about the book. And he was saying just the other day, oh, people are really tight-lipped when it comes to their histories. And I was like, yes, why? I don't get it. Because like, when I meet someone in real life and I'm like, oh, yeah, where are you from? What are you doing? They love to tell me their stories. Why is it in role-playing that everybody's backstory is got to be a mystery and hidden and not spoken? I, I don't I, I get would, it. I would suggest that for backstories in role-playing, it's because they don't have one. Your backstory is what you were able to create on that one page and then to elaborate on it and then to fill in all the blanks. Well, you should is see. It's really challenging. I have to admit I've got your backstory. It's your eight pages, which is on my Google Drive. Same with Oraki's, which is a yeah. couple of pages on Google Drive. Elbrum, he left it on his character sheet and on his the one tab where he does it, it's like this. But yes, Kalen, he's provided me just with a little bit. Well, we had a discussion, so it's in Discord. Akmenis, again, small little discussion that he's building on. Odvik, yeah, backstories are loose at best. Yeah. But they're going to see that they're going to need to start developing it a little bit more as I start poking at some stuff. And I've already poked a little bit at Akmenis' stuff, and he's caught on to it. And what he's going to do, I don't know. So yeah. it's the trick of catching someone's attention and making a point and then trying not to make it a big deal so that everybody else is like, what's the DM on about? And leaving it up to the character to have their moment. Yeah. But yeah, so you guys are sitting at the inn. And you need to buy a room because you did arrive. I mean, it was a day and a half. Yep. So it took a full day in order to get from the giant scorpions to the town. So it's night. You guys needed a room. And she, the, the innkeeper was like, okay, well, I've got a large room that can fit you all. It's 35 silvers. And you, <laughs> Calidus was, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. And Elbrum was like, no, I want my own room. Yeah, what's with that, Elbrum? 
I got a kick out of it. Well, he's got cash. I was surprised Oraki didn't do the same thing. But I could totally understand what the other guys are like. Oh, thanks, Calidus. Uh, yeah, I got no money to my name. Because the other ones, like, Kalen's got nothing. And that's fine. I mean, again, this, this becomes this, if you're a team, then this is, we are the company, so it's not about how much money you have as an individual. And if you are new, then you get whatever it is you're... Because there's nothing... I mean, if we do not, as a group, pay for what they need, then when we need their support, it won't be there. If they don't sleep, then they come with exhaustion. If they're cold, they come with exhaustion. If they don't have the weapons, they come with an inability to fight. So they have to, they have to come primed and ready to go. I think this is one of those things, too, where it comes down to the difference between a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, is that when you're young... You you really are self centered, self self focused on, on yeah. self survival. You don't think of yes, keep everybody else healthy, because if everybody else is healthy, then I, I there's a bit my odds of surviving are better. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm always of the opinion that I'm down to my last hit point. Heal that guy, because if he's up, then maybe they will target him, and I can get another extra couple of moves so that I can heal myself and heal someone else. Well, that was the Calidus logic when Calidus went down, was that Calidus would only ever take one hit, like, and that's it. And at that point, he takes another hit, he's dead. Mm. So he has to heal the biggest, meanest, baddest that we have because the only way we survive is In by... In theory, that's Oraki's job because she's got yeah. healing spells up the wazoo where your job is stay far away and blast from a distance. And and so that was the logic behind... And, and when you look at what we do, it's clear that that's... When it all turns to crap, you bring back to life the, the one that's, that's going to do the most damage. Yep, yep. That reminds me, there was a bit when you guys were discussing about Kaim. He was really interested when you guys were still on the ship heading towards Nabir. There was a bit where we role-played his conversation with Kaylin because he'd found out Kaylin said... You guys, it let him know that Kalen, you'd found him in a temple. He came from a Tuscali hole. And he was just like, wow, you were in a Tuscali hole. What was what was going on there? And I was really anxious to see what Kalen was going to say. I was sitting there thinking, Jesus, you just dropped someone in it well and truly there, didn't you? Now, here's your, here's your invitation to come up with whatever you like. No, no, we've discussed. We've discussed. So I was really interested to see what he was going to say out loud for you guys. So he said something. So I was just like, okay, cool. But it clearly didn't, uh, what do you say, it saturate with the other players in terms of, well, what does that mean? Well, there, I, think, I think that we are looking for the, how did you get there? What were you doing to get there? And how did you, the two things is, how did you get there and how did you get out? And everything else fits into the category of not important. So he didn't give us, how did you well, get he, there? He did, he, give, give, he did give, I caught a name. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he did come up with a name. And so Kane was like, you caught a name? How did you catch a name? And at that point, I, yeah. I, put, I, I did put him on the spot, and, and he came up with something. But it was I, a good, it was good. Story, I was happy. Though. It's a good story that he sort of figured out that, who the name was. Yeah. Yeah, but we... So now we've got a name. But we didn't get... And again, this goes back to the whole thing of like... Yep. Kane's interest in that. Yep. Right? And his knowledge of the Toscali. Yep. Everything that that's coming out of him yep. is clear that he knows more well, and, and than some, he's letting and some on. some parts not, though, because 
he was sitting there like, well, God, 60 years ago, there was that big thing. And what was the name of that hive? And you guys all remembered the name of the hive from 60 years yeah. ago from your school education. He couldn't remember it. And Akmenos remembered more. You guys actually knew when he was like, what is it, Arby, Arby? You guys actually remembered that it was Arbyak. So this is where I'm trying to, okay. He, but again, we come back to that. He, he's, he's interested in this specific thing. When you start putting all the pieces together, yep. here's a bloke that's lots of interest, fair amount of knowledge of Tuscali. Every time someone mentions Tuscali, his ears prick up. Okay, common knowledge that we don't think is common knowledge. This is almost like he's been sent from the the council to either watch over us or to go and do exactly what it is that we're doing. And he's out there hunting down Tuscali while we're out there hunting down all of these other issues and the Tuscali uprising is just something that it's like we've got it from Mehmet to go do it. Yep. He could be just another Mehmet plant for all we know. Mm. And, and A Mehmet plant. That's awesome. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Plot hook there. Ooh. So, you know, and that's a Mehmet's, you know, he's looked at us. We're not doing too good. He's put yeah. another one out in the field. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, we started having a lot of fantasy ground issues at that point. But at that, what the next thing was next morning, you woke up. Gimort was there, met with you guys. He introduced you to one of the village people. And you guys basically were like, what's going on? Or Calidus again was like, what's going on with the paint? And he's struggling to figure out what the hell you're talking about. And then, oh, oh, the repairs. Yes, well, six odd months ago, they were they had a, a Tuscali invasion and half their people were gone. And, and then you guys were thinking it was some underhanded secret thing. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And so, yes. What didn't make sense to me was the fact that there was a Tuscali invasion of their town. Yep. The damage was such that they repainted the houses and all the rest of it. But there was no... The, the, the explanation of where they went and where they hid... Seemed a little you know, vague to me. They mm. hid in their houses, yeah, yep. right, and waited for them to leave. Yeah, I love to hear how your guys' minds work in time. It's this—it's a funny thing of how I sit there and, and think of something, and I've got a really good idea why it does make sense. And waiting for you guys to—you know—you throw things out, you throw things out, you throw things out, and eventually, hopefully, eventually enough information will accumulate that you'll be like. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, that does make Part sense. Part of the problem, I guess, is that when, they, when, you, when you hear that, we went and we hid in our houses, you don't have a, a, a lot to work with. It's mm. the mayor of the town. Yep. Someone who commands respect. And yep. You don't really get to question them. Yep. And so you can't say, that just sounds like crap, mayor. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. again, that's, if you say that to them, it doesn't go anywhere. Yep. You hope that the mayor would recount to you more information. Yep. But if it doesn't come, you don't really have a, a lot to go. I mean, you can say, oh, that was really terrible. And then maybe he'll recount the story about how little little Doris over there hid in the cupboard so under the stairs and all that kind of stuff. You were expecting a lot more from the mayor in terms of an explanation. I didn't, well, yeah. I, didn't think it, I didn't think that the idea that... that hiding that, in the house was Hiding sufficient. in the house. All of the people from the town hid in the houses. Well, half of the people ran away. Well, how about this? How about I ask? And so, so of, of the things that we've discussed over the last close to a year about the Tuscali incursions, what do you remember? I don't remember. My brain doesn't work like it. My brain works as a document retrieval system. It then goes off and says, I need more specifics to, and then I'll go and go, that one, that one, that one. The incursions were never 
out-and-out attacks and kills. In every case, I, I've tried to make sure that you guys were clear on that people were dragged off, kicking and screaming. Yeah, but there was no... Yeah, and again, we go back to the first one. They were looking for the idol, and that's the only bit of information we have about it. Well, not really. It's almost you guys still like... haven't really talked to Kalen. What did he see in the tunnels? Okay, but, but we haven't really... It's almost like what we're seeing is scouting parties. From what you've seen so far... Something. They're, yeah. they're scouting sure. parties. They're hunting around. They're seeing what's there. This, if we if we move on, the story a bit. Yep. Are we, are we done with the town? So yes, you you left the town. He's brought out a young shepherd who's going to lead you up to this hidden oasis. The boy who discovered the oasis was named was Cade. Yeah. He basically said that a couple of weeks after the boy left. He was talking some weird, strange business, and, and he left. And you guys didn't question him anything more about that, so he didn't divulge any more about it. But Cade left. This boy is another shepherd boy, and he's going to take you back. And he's like, it's a couple of days' walk. And you guys are like, is there a faster way? And he's like, I don't know. If you guys got a faster way, so you go and talk to Captain Bubbles, and Bubbles talks to them for a while. And she's like, yeah, no, sorry. There's a lot that an earth elemental yeah. sandship can do, but where you need to go, it's not going to be able to go. So, unfortunately, you guys had to hoof it. And I think a combination of things happened here. I think the combination of the, the system going down, the fact that it was two days away, yep. and the issues that everyone's having was we really didn't get on top of the fact that we weren't prepared. Yep. If, if it had been a two-day walk, yep. then we would have known at the end of the first night, or at the first night, would have been clear. You walk through the day, you run out of water, you freeze to death at night, you turn around and go back yeah, and start again. I was, to be honest, I was trying to rush to get you to there. Yeah. So there is, in fact, over those two days, when I start the next session, I will be making sure to say, okay, by the way, guys, there is a consequence to this being underprepared. A couple of you yeah. are going to be exhausted because of it. And I think from our point of view, it, it'll be interesting to see how we get out of this because that would have happened on the first day. We would have recognized we had the food. We would have recognized that the, the cold issue yep. would have hit... On the second day. It would have hit the first night, yeah. It would have hit the first night, and the water issue would have hit the first day as yep. well. So the two things, we would have recognized that yep. we're going to have an issue with blankets, and we well, didn't have enough water. And that could have, and when you think about how we do this, we could quite easily have abandoned this mission on the basis that yeah, yeah. the cold yep. would have been so debilitating that we would never have actually got there. It's true. Or we could have done a, what we might have done is split the party. Yeah, because that was an option. Is that if this is the Some blankets and this is the tent? Gear. Well, I, I would have thought that if if I was the commander at the end of the first night, recognizing that the water, the food, all this sort of thing was going to be an issue. It's a two day tramp to get out there. Yep. I would have turned around and said, "Okay, what we need to do is we need to run a scouting party out there that aren't going to get hurt on the way out there. Their job is to go to look and come back, right, to see what they can see." Yeah, and unfortunately, this is this is one of those situations too. I, I wanted to rush to get you guys there. And retconning this stuff, now that you know that you've seen there's Fort Tuscully there, yeah. retconning that so that you're know, saying, okay, well, the first couple of nights and we would have done things differently. It's true. Absolutely but true. Again, if we look at this now, and I think that the way that I think that we should be hit with the impact of what we've done yeah. right at the start. And again, it, it may seem terribly unfair to actually take the damage and the issues that you've got yeah. when you get there. Yeah. But we still have the option of running away. Yep. So you're still, you're still far enough away that you can run away. Yeah, we can still run away. We don't, have to, we don't have to fight. We can see what's there. And that tends us the lesson. We can go back. 
yeah. we can look at it and we say, well, now we know what's out there yeah, and we can figure out what we should do. I don't think it gives us, it's not going to give us the answer. Clearly the, the columns, the lake, the Tuscali, yep. whole thing all hangs together. And so, and the thing is too, is that the mayor had said, the boy's not going to go with you. They did tell you that yeah. a lot of the land had started withering around that area. You did know that, that you did know that it was a hidden oasis that they hadn't found before. Cade was the boy who found it a couple of months ago, and it took such a long time. They didn't think the city was going to ever send anybody, or if they're going to do it. So Shump was the boy that he sent, and he said, Shump will not go with you. He's only going to go up to a point and show you where to go. Mm. So at that point, Shump left you guys and said, it's just over that ridge. You guys then went up to the ridge and made a hell of a lot of noise, yep. and you got to the top of the ridge, and you seen the Tuscali. So now becomes a question of how do we have, and I think that's what we'll do. When we start the session, we'll have a little bit of a conversation about how we're going to deal with that because the fact of the matter is, is the fantasy ground situation that we were having was irritating enough that I had every intention that in this session, I wanted you guys to get to the pool of and blood. I actually don't think that anyone's actually going to care if they take a few hit points of damage before they start on this one. I wasn't going to have you take hit, hit point damage because here's the thing. My, my thought was always, if you go out and you're in a wilderness and your first night out, you're going to sleep in your armor, that's fine. It's going to be an yeah. uncomfortable night. The second night you try to sleep in your armor, you're going to have exhaustion because yeah. your body can't have that a second night. The first night going out in a cold, yeah, you're going to have a chilly. It's going to be a miserable night, but you're okay. The second night of chills, you will suffer a level of exhaustion. Yeah, well, and I think that that's fair. And the same thing with I heat. I think that we should... Too much heat will give yeah. you levels of exhaustion And as I well. think that we should take the exhaustion at the start of the next session. Which is what my intention was. Yeah. Two of and you I will think, be suffering it. Yeah, and I think that that's perfectly reasonable. You're going to have exhaustion. This is the reason why, and it's a consequence of what happened. There will be a conversation about it, at which point I'll put my two bulbs worth in, that we clearly are still working as a city-to-city team. Yeah. And, and we are not finding out how long it takes to get from A to B when we go out in the bush. Yeah. And, and I know that some people are going to be like, my my character's back background is blah, 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 blah. And if your b- background is suitable to being someone who knows the desert, then you yeah. won't be suffering exhaustion. Yeah. But the other part is too, is that you're in a desert, damn cold at night, it's 40 plus during the day. And guess what? It's the same thing. Anything higher than 32 centigrade, you're rolling your constitution saves for every hour above that because again the heat the heat will damage you and you will again get exhaustion from it i didn't let that happen this is a delicate little flower so (laughs) he can't he can't be you're originally from a place that really isn't desert where you come from you look at the map of our world you're kind of i guess would be lebanon israel area so is that desert israel i guess it kind of is yeah yes not not like egypt desert though yeah, but in that area, the Lebanon area, you get the you know you get the snow and you get the heat and you get the like it's cold and it's hot and it's rain and it's yeah. I think it's a little bit more green. That pretty much was it. Eventually, uh, a lot of role playing in this session, dealing with a lot of fantasy ground crashes, but we did eventually get to where you did arrive there and you seen at we the bottom of rem- valley you were. I think I said you were like 150 feet away or something like this, or maybe more. I can't remember what I said. We are remarkably good at adapting as a team yeah. to, to the IT environment. When it unravels, no one bats an eyelid. We just keep on going. Yeah. And everybody during that session, at some point in time, I think with the exception of Elbram, 
ended up offline. Yeah, disconnecting, and, connecting, disconnecting. And you kept going, and no one sort of batted on eyelid. And then when everybody see. connected at once, finally my machine went. And finally, yeah, we all got on, and then you died. And then it mine died. And it's, it's funny because, like, when I started things up, I started things up. I was running at two point eight gigs of RAM. And then as each person connected on, it got up to, and it ran at 3.2 gigs. And I was like, whoo, 0.2 more meg of RAM used, or 200 meg of RAM used to get me up to the 3.4, that would be it. And it sat at 3.2, 3.2, and it wasn't until all the connection, disconnect, connect, disconnect, that eventually... And here's the thing. I thought that the DAT files I had set up for you guys was enough, because if the DAT files are there... You're pulling, you don't have to, memory doesn't need to spike to pull up a map. It's now local. Yeah. So you would just open up the map. The map would open up instantly. The only part that gets pulled is where your tokens show up on the map. And the more tokens I put on the map, the more memory gets used. So at the end of the day, the map of the village, you guys didn't have it. So you were pulling from my machine to get the map. And that pulling yeah. caused your guys's. It was a crappy thing. Like I said, it was 200 megs of DAT files when it really needed to be two gigs. I sent out a Discord message and asked everybody to re-download that, and hopefully, I don't uh, think I don't, it's not not a. Um, I don't think it's a problem. We just deal with it as it goes along. Yeah, but I mean, you deal it, with it as it goes along. But it is it is really when you've got just a gray screen and you get a gray screen because yeah. you, your map is not loading, you can deal with that if everybody else is okay. But when everybody's blank and you really need to be able to see, because I'm certainly not. There were, just... I, I did look when I when I had the issue and I was sitting there with a the grey screen, and people were pasting images into Discord. Yeah, it, it really, the it, only time you really need the the image is if you're in a battle. Yeah, if you're not in a battle, and like, and what I want is I want the image of what we're looking over the ridge at. Yep. What is the layout? Where are the Toscali? What do I yep. see? Yeah. And if I if I see that image, then the rest of it's just theater of the mind. Yep. It's just that's what I see. Yep. I didn't from the description that you gave. Yep. I didn't get the three pillars, the lake, and the Toscali arrangement how they're arranged. Yep. Once I get an image of that, then it all sort of you know you look at it and think okay that that now starts to yep. make sense. Yep. The pillars, the lake. What have they got to yeah, do? Yeah, because I tried to describe it, 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 it as the, best as I could. Yeah, yeah. The Tuscali are, are, are clearly going to be some kind of inconvenience to figuring out what's really going on. Well, especially because you guys made enough enough noise, and I think you, oh, there was like you rolled like a three. Yeah, Kalen was like a six. Elburn was like a, an eleven. There's His no passive way. perception was something like twelve, yeah. but I had him roll anyways. He rolled a fifteen. Yeah, yeah, he heard you guys. Yeah, and so. They're chattering, whatever they were chattering about. Yeah. And one of them was up in the air flying, and he was looking directly as you guys, as your heads popped up over the ridge. You guys have been spotted. Well, yeah. And this, this, will be, this will come down to a, how many of them are there and how many of us. Yep. Well, or you guys figuring out something. And at the end of the day, when you think about this scenario that we're about to encounter, we really couldn't have gone over the ridge undetected. It, it would be inconceivable yep. that six people could have come over the top of a ridge down into a valley and looked at what was there. We could have looked at it from a distance, yep. but that would be as, as good as it was going to get. So yep. we can only hope that there are not lots of them down there. Yep. Well, you guys did see there was just the four. Here's the thing, too. This is about using your head and thinking of stuff and not just running and attacking and, and what are your options. Like 
back to the very first podcast, like what's in my backpack? What can I use that might help us here? This reminds me, I'm just sitting there thinking. I'm going to put on my Tuscali outfit and disguise myself. (laughs) You know, I'm just thinking of my, my daughter in Taekwondo. I mean, she's seven. And the other kids, when they're playing dodgeball, the other kids, they just run around and run around and run around. And I remember this was her first time playing dodgeball mm. was, is with the Taekwondo group. And she loves it. I remember having a conversation with her. I was like, okay, what else can you do other than just running to avoid the, the balls? And so we had a conversation and, and she was just like, well, I could duck. And I was like, yes, you can duck. You, you can pay attention and look around. And th- She's the only one that's out there now that when we're playing dodgeball, she's looking around to see where, who's got the ball and watching them. And she ducks. She's the only one. All the other kids run around like yeah. chickens in a chicken chickens pen. With their heads cut off. And I was just like, that's just it. You got a head. Use your head. Look around you. Analyze the situation. What are your options? How can you make better use of this? And smart kid. So parents love talking about their kids. But the, I mean, that's the point. Yeah, enough of talking about your kids. We don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Mumble, 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 mumble. That's just it. What are you guys going to do? And that pretty much is the end of the session from this week. Yep. I still feel bad because not having that interface, I I rely so much on it because it's not just theater of the mind because I use that to trigger sound effects and stuff like that, which is part of the, the immersion. And I know that it's not necessary, but the amount of people who've always said, oh man, the music, the sound effects, the lighting, all of that adds mood, which helps that immersion it shocks me how many people are like it's a normal feature within fantasy grounds that you can change from sunrise midday sunset evening it, it's amazing that I mean, that, that just the Everybody impact of that alone that. it's just in there how many people don't use that and the amount of people are like oh man yeah when it's night the color changes to nightish that's awesome and i'm just like god that's such a standard feature how come the other gms don't use it it's it's not rocket science. There's a big button on the side, the right sidebar for changing that. And all of that, to me, anything that you can do to, to help the immersion helps a player to get in a mood to role play. And when it is role playing instead of the, what we were talking about, where it's my character, where you're talking third person, my character yeah. is going to try to do deception on this fling and, and Calidus is going to help me. I, I hate that. I, I'd much rather, well, give me an idea. Like, I, I don't, I'm not asking you to come up with some fanatic idea that, that basically it is tied to your 18 intelligence, which you really aren't in real yeah. life. But you give me an idea of what you want to do. And it doesn't matter if it's a dumb idea. This is where then your deception skill will come in. So even though it might sound dumb to everybody's ears, I mean, and nobody's going to do that. But the fact is, is that now we roll your deception on it. You've yep. given me a little bit of a narrative. We roll deception on it. Now, it it's tweaks everybody else's imagination. That's what it's about, is we're tweaking each other's imagination. Because without doing that, it is just simply... Rolling a dice. Well, it's rolling a dice, and I think it also facilitates the murder-hobo mentality. Yeah. Because you're not really triggering your imagination. Not a lot of thought goes into it. Yeah, and, and that's what you want. Like Immersion comes from your imagination sparking. And suspension of belief happens when you can really spark your imagination. Because otherwise, you're just waiting for the opportunity to roll your dice. And if it's just rolling your dice because you're trying to hit something, well, a lot of people were saying, like you even I think Elbrum. You game on your phone. <laughs> yeah, well, even Elbrum was saying he loves how often we do skill checks. 
And I just thought that's normal, doing skill check. You want to do something, skill check it. From what I understand, a lot of people's skill checks are just tied to the perception. I like the fact that we get a choice. Yeah. Well, and, and that's just it. For me, I'm just like, well, I mean, this could be a variety of different checks. If you've got a good reason why, if you're proficient, if you are not proficient in a skill, I'm not going to be so. so but if you're, say, proficient in investigation and medicine, and I might be inclined to go uh, in investigation, but your medicine is slightly higher than your investigation, and you can give me a good reason why you think medicine will, is going to work, go for it. Why yeah, not? I, and it's interesting because that's one of the things that is coming up more and more. Yeah. That the players are arguing their point. When you say, give me a, an investigation, people are saying, well, I'm going to come at this as from a history point of view. I'm going to come at this from a medicine point of view. Yeah. And it's like, and when you say, what? They explain why. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. Go there. Yeah. That's. In all the other games, it's quite unusual. It's like they ask the, the DM asks you for a check, defines the criteria, and that's all you've got, which I don't think is really the spirit of what they were talking about well, when they invented the game. Because because one of the issues with that is that a lot of DMs talk about how you have someone say, "Oh, give me an investigation check on that," and then the person, all the rest of the the team hears, "Oh." He's doing his investigation check, and he failed his investigation check. So they're like, let me try, let me try, let me try. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's a little bit metagaming at that point. Because it isn't about, oh, well, this is a situation where everybody can try. And this is why a lot of time what I do is in situations like that, if, if I think there's going to be a situation like that, that's when I use the private channel. Yeah, I think people, I think people in, in, within the group that we're playing in tend to look at those and only if they've I tend to do the only if I think that it's reasonable for me to perform the same check should I have a crack at it yeah at the same time too like if you guys are standing there looking at a body on the ground and I'm going to investigate I'm going to investigate I'm going to investigate okay there's nothing that is wrong with three people having an investigation if you're having that investigation at the same time it might screw things up for another player in terms of, oh, well, this guy rolled really crappy at his investigation, although you re- rolled really high. Well, all three of you decided that you're going to do it at the same time. So the, the crappy guy's roll, basically he screwed up with the body enough that it screwed yeah. up your good roll. So this is one of those things where in those scenarios, to each its own, I rule how I, it goes. I actually like that. the idea of, of the two things that I like to do, and that is that, if someone's doing an investigation and there's like a history and a nature and an arcana, if you can run all of those, yep. then that's good. I also like running the ones where I can approach it from two different directions. I've got high medicine and I've got yep. high investigation so or high history. Then I'll yep. take that collection of assets yep. and bunch them together and yep. say... And come up with something. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah. The other thing too, though, is I'm getting to be a little bit more picky in terms of the explanations. Because, like, for example, Arcana, very often some people have really thought of Arcana as like a detect magic where they can detect. And that's not what it is. It is you have knowledge about magics related to your field. So if there is hieroglyphs that look like they might be magic, you might be able to get some kind of reading off of them. But it's not like 
I sense that there's magic there. If you sensing becomes is the detect magic spell. Yeah. So it's reading and using them accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where too, like I love the 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 charisma type checks inside conversations because especially when three people are all talking at once, because then it's just like that one's simple. Whoever does the worst is the role that's yeah. used. And how many times has that happened where Caladus has offended, have, offended the person and so it changes first. the nature of the conversation. He's in there first and needs to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few times that's happened. Right. So I think that's probably good enough for this session. Yep. Until next session. Catch you guys later. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week. <laughs>